Hey folks, it's Jeff Wenzel from the Woodshed Agency, and you're listening to my podcast called Successfully Funded. Here we go, let's turn it up. Turn it up. Yeah! All right, crowdfunders, it is Monday morning, you know, it's a, not as, exci- you know, not as much energy as when you're doing one in the middle of the week, right, because we're just kind of getting started over here, right, it's it's just, you know, it's first thing out of the gate is, 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 is recording this, talking about the weekend and stuff, so, well, hopefully you guys all had a, a great, great weekend out there, hopefully the, uh, the campaigns are doing well and funding and you're getting, getting that, um, getting that excitement and keeping that momentum going, so, on today's episode, we've got a really, really exciting conversation. We're going to be talking to Julian from the uh, Kickstarter campaign, Somnox. Somnox? Yeah, S-O-M-N-O-X. And it's a the world's first sleep robot to improve your sleep. And yeah, this, is, this feels like it's a little sci-fi, but it's awesome in terms of helping you uh, regulate your breathing, um, l- allowing you to stay asleep longer. A um, lot of tech went into this. Uh, Julian gets into how, you know how much work they did with prototypes and testing, and we also dive into the relationship between when you're working with a university and de- and de- de- um, developing something, as well as what happens on your own when when you try to take your company uh, outside that. So we're going to get into a lot in that conversation. So that's coming up here in a little bit, but. Prior to that, so hopefully everybody had a great weekend. Like I said, uh, we're kind of getting into that holiday time here is 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 coming up. Uh, you know, so we're all hustling and bustling right now. For me per- personally, there's, there's kind of a new new thought pattern going on here right now is um, just legacy. Um, it was kind of interesting this weekend. Uh, you know, the, the the church that we work at they uh, uh, they opened up their new buildings and stuff like that. And just kind of looking around at a lot of people who have spent three years or so. Um, with this idea, uh, and to kind of see it come to fruition and see it all, all um, you know, kind of come together was was an exciting part. You know, um, there's a lot of work that that people put into it, and and just knowing how many or how hard that is, I should say, when you have that many cooks in the kitchen. So, you know, with kind of that on the um, uh, you know up in the old memory bank, and then just thinking about, uh, you know, all the kind of weird things that 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 I've uh, um, you know, kind of been a part of, right? I have, a, I think it feels like a pretty weird, you know, background in terms of, uh, you know, having studios when I was younger to um, doing live sound now to doing crowdfunding marketing to owning studios, just this sort of, you know, trajectory. And I, something that I'm a, I'm a little disappointed in myself in is that I haven't really been keeping track of my digital or life graveyard of, of you know things that I've accomplished or things that I've done, there's no record of it around here. There's no, um, you know, there's no f- framed photo of of the magazine out cover I was on for Crane's Business. There's, you know, um, or being called Barry Gordy um, by a national publication or the, the next Barry Gordy uh, when it came to uh, what we we're doing GBS. There's no record of that stuff around here. I mean, I think it's around. I mean, my my parents have stored away some stuff, but I haven't. So with that, we went and actually saw the movie Coco, which if you guys, you know, the kids, it took the kids a couple Sundays ago to go see that. Um, so with all this kind of around, it's just, I think it's this kind of idea of taking a moment to just reflect on on, on what you've done. Um, uh, you know, like I said, a couple of weeks ago, I got to, you know, go do a presentation at the university. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm a high school grad, right? So I don't have... I feel like an on-paper track record, but yet I'm around a lot of these unique things. Um, 
And, you know, when you, you know, your kids started to get older, you start realizing that, boy, you really want them to kind of know the life you've been creating. Um, and another thing that spawned this too was the other day we were sitting, um, the kids and I, and, and I don't know, something came up about the guitar and, and I, and I mentioned, well, well I, I have wrote <laughs> quite a bit of songs. So I actually went to Spotify and pulled up, um, the Sugar People record from 2008. And I think that was an interesting thing for the kids because it was right on the same, like it was a level playing field. There was no, you know, you only played bars or you only toured a little bit or whatever it might have been. It was more along the lines of, hey, your song is right next to the Troll song or the Justin Timberlake song. There was no, it was a a level playing field and I feel like they, it connected to some degree. And it was a, a really unique moment. So because of that, I spent last Monday, you know, a week ago, doing the two hour, um, you know, paper shift of getting our 2002 or 2001 record race table story is going to be up on Spotify. And when I find some time this week, I'm going to start working on the, the big album, which is like our 16 song, the, the sugar roses collection. I'm going to try to get that up there because why not? Right. It's just sitting around here. So just kind of been really top of mind of starting to kind of remember the things I'm doing. Well, here's the other one too. It's, you know, we've been seeing if you're at all familiar with stadiums or anything like that, you know, the Pontiac Silverdome was supposed to be blown down on Sunday um, by dynamite. And of course that didn't work, but you know, I've got a really weird story with, um, with the Silverdome. So just kind of these like really weird things of just seeing this, the, the movement of time, how it's going and, and kind of just taking some time to reflect back on it and just thinking a lot about it. So, so that's what's been happening around here a lot lately. So I'll let everybody know when the old race stable story uh, pops up uh, on Spotify if you guys want to add that to some uh, playlists and stuff. So, but uh, all right. So if you guys are enjoying the podcast, which if you've gotten this far, you probably have liked some of it, you know, um, make sure you uh, leave us a review on the iTunes store uh, or tell a friend or subscribe. Maybe you haven't subscribed. Maybe you're just, you found this on the old website. Be a subscriber on iTunes or Stitcher, wherever you get your iPod, uh, your podcast. And uh, yeah, enjoy, you know? So, okay, let's go ahead and kick my conversation with Julian from Somnex. And we're going to talk about sleep and what that means in today's world and how to get a better night's rest. All right, here's my conversation with Julian. All right, Julian, since you are a listener, you probably know what's coming next. Um, so the red light's on. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is the important time here. This is when everybody gets really nervous. So hopefully you're taking a deep breath and we're going <laughs> to jump right into an awesome uh, conversation here. So why don't you start off with, uh, um, we'll do a quick sound check. Um, what did you have for breakfast this morning? What did I have for breakfast this morning? I thought it was oatmeal with some honey and almonds, nice cappuccino. Yeah, it was a great start of so the morning. You, you thought it was, or, or that's what exactly it was? No, it, it, it was, but I actually ordered it, so uh, <laughs> not sure okay. what they put in there. Uh, you know, uh. nice. Well, that's a, yeah, that's a good hearty breakfast to get the day started. Yeah, cool. Where, where are you right now? Um, where are you located? Uh, in the Netherlands, in Delft, okay. which is in the south of Holland, um, at the campus of the University of Technology. So, yeah. Oh, nice. What, what time is it there for you? It's 3 p.m. All right. You're thinking about dinner here soon. You're maybe having a beer after, uh, after some work day and, uh, and hanging out. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Well, during a Kickstarter, that, that, that's a bit harder to do. You know? you <laughs> sure, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You always got to take a minute to relax. Well, all right, awesome. Well, I think we're all sounding good. Yeah, let's, let's go ahead and jump right into it. So, um, yeah. Julie, why don't you tell my listeners uh, what you are currently raising money for on Kickstarter? 
Yeah, so we are raising money for Somnox, which is our company that develops world's first sleep robot to help you improve your sleep. A sleep robot. So, what what does that equal? Uh, is there is there a, a, a big, huge robot sleeping next to me in bed? <laughs> so it kind of looks like um, like you need to hold it. It's it's um, a soft robotic. It's almost like a teddy bear okay. for adults, and with breathing regulation, soothing audio, and the power of affection, we soothe body and mind to help you accelerate the process of falling asleep. Nice, nice. So getting away from the uh, chemical way of falling asleep. Exactly. So. Yeah, yeah, that was also the reason why why we also started since we found we that we were sleep deprived ourselves, taking medication uh, that was super addictive and had side effects. And when we were in university, we were like, okay, why is there only a solution in the form of a sleeping pill that includes nasty chemicals? Let's make a robotic. Uh, it's about time. And that's where it all started. Yeah. Very nice, very nice. So, I mean, is this that you're working with a team on? Like, where, where does this sort of, you know, idea start to kind of formulate and, and become a, a cocktail napkin sketch? You know, where, where, where does it start? So, it all started in the Robotics Institute of the University of Technology, Delft, where many faculties and many disciplines of engineering come together. We were with four guys there, uh, four engineers, one uh, programmer, uh, mechanical engineer, industrial design engineer, um, we came together and we, we were all sharing a passion for soft products, so not the rigid ones that would harm us or take our jobs. No, the, the soft products like Baymac, the care of mm-hmm. the cuddle that humans can interact with. Um, through this shared passion, we wanted to solve a personal problem, which was that of sleep deprivation. So that is where it all came together and the first sketches were made. And we were really inspired by the power of, for example, uh, um, having someone near you, could be a partner, could be your cat, could be your child, and um, that we as a child uh, synchronized our own breathing to that of our parents. And we took that concept and evaluated it with literature and then started building the first prototypes, testing it with ourselves, with our family. And after a while, it really seemed to add value to the people around us and they wanted to buy it. So we decided to start a startup. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it seems like that's a uh, there's a, 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 a small little trend happening. It seems like on Kickstarter. I mean, yeah, like the gravity blanket was a big one. Um, that yeah. that you know, the sort of this uh, all like these products built around you know better sleep, basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. So it seems like you guys are kind of playing in that in that world a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. True. It's they. It's it's amazing how many startups currently are into sleep tech. Uh, we are going to CES in Las Vegas next year. And since last year, there is a, a separate category for sleep, which means that there really? are so many solutions nowadays that it's, uh, that it's a whole category on its own. And I think it's a great thing because there are so many sleep-deprived people out there. And sleep is a very complex uh, activity. I mean, it's still a mystery to humankind. Actually. And there are so many parameters that can cause or uh, to have a bad night's rest. It could be temperature, your mood, it could be sounds, it could be anything. So it's great that there are so many solutions that don't come in the form of a pill, um, but in a more technological approach. And I think none of them is the golden cradle of a good night's rest, but they all help stimulate uh, a certain part of sleep, which is great. 
Sure. Yeah. It, it almost seems like maybe we're coming off of the, um, that it's cool to say that you don't sleep vibe that we had for maybe you know, for about 10 years. So maybe about a decade, I think Arianne Huffington from Huffington Post, she's kind of mm-hmm. started that trend of like, it's not cool to not sleep. We all, you know, it, it ruins yeah. the work environment. It's, you know, there's yeah. no badge of honor that says that you worked, you know, 18 hours uh-huh. yesterday. Like nobody cares. Go to sleep. Exactly. So. Yeah. 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 It's like, my friends a couple of years ago, they thought it was super cool to uh, to say, hey, I barely slept yeah, last night and I, I'm so cool because I do stuff in life. But now it's, it's uh, like, as you say, uh, Ariana Huffington, she is starting the sleep revolution, which we are trying to uh, do as well, um, to emphasize on the urgency and the importance of sleep on daily life. I mean, it, mm-hmm. it really, if you don't sleep, you die. It's, it's as simple as that. <laughs> right, right. So, yeah, um, and I think because of the 24-7 economy, the more people are becoming stressed, your smartphone is glued to your hand, even if you're in the bedroom. So that makes it, uh, there's a trending problem that maybe, uh, yeah, a world problem, then something needs to be done. And that's why there are so many startups being solved in the problem. Right. So after you guys, you know, the four of you guys kind of start coming up with this and starting the research. So what are the sort of the, the steps that start to, you know, making a prototype or, you know, taking something that just might seem like a good idea, but into an actual reality thing, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So actually we, we, so as, as I mentioned, there was this robotics Institute, there was this personal problem. And then we had the hypothesis of looking for natural ways on inducing and maintaining uh, th- this was all done through literature. So we found that breathing and sounds are proven and effective ways on improving your strength. So we took those two methods, breathing and audio, into a prototype. And that was um, a physical prototype that, that was uh, based upon literature reviews um, that we gave to, for example, ourselves, but also our family or friends to see if it actually worked. And after a while, we found that they actually profited from using it. And they told it their neighbor. And then the neighbor started <laughs> emailing us like, hey, I want to test it as well. I'm desperate looking, <laughs> desperately looking for a non-medicinal solution. And then the first media coverage came, which wasn't our intention. Like there was no business intention at all. It was just an academic project. Right. But then national news covered us. And then thousands of emails literally came to our email address that was on a very basic WordPress website. Um, I mean, most people would, would would pay a lot of money for uh, having these email addresses, and they just came to us out of nowhere. And that is where we decided, okay, there might be actually something here. We can leave the prototype that we have iterated within university in a dusty basement, or we bring it to the people who are desperately looking for something like this. Um, so yeah, that's when we decided to go into an incubator, and uh, yes, Delft. It's an accelerator in the Netherlands that helps you grow your business and actually realize a product to uh, to get it to the market. And yeah, now we're kickstarting and just raised the the goal to fund our molds. Yeah, that's great. That's great. So you know, so since this idea it sounds like kind of spun off of a university, are there any like rules or regulations on what you can and can't do, or you know, how, how, like how much does the university tie into this whole equation? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we got very lucky because in Delft, it tends to the situation is usually like this, due to the fact that you have been using university equipment. Let's say uh, research facilities could be uh, machining tools. 
um, they take 60% of your equity and your intellectual property, 60%, which is insane. But yeah. since we came up with our own uh, problem statement, we invented everything ourselves and we made use of our own workshop, which luckily some of our guys had in their, uh, in their own basement. So we, there, there was no claim at all from the university that they could uh, have 60% of our company. So we got very, very lucky. Otherwise, sure. Yeah. yeah, that's yeah. I always find that that sort of dance, um, you know, uh, delicate <laughs> um, but mm-hmm. between uh, universities and and, uh, and and projects that are coming out of it. And I think there's good and bad, you know. So it sounds like you guys really did get very lucky and and uh, uh, to, to I wouldn't say get out of the grasp of it, but 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 be able to control what you guys are working on. Yeah, yeah, and I think it's it's a good thing, and it's fair to give the university something in return. I mean, mm-hmm. if there was sure. the, if there was no university in the first place, you wouldn't have ended up inventing this or meeting these wonderful uh, co uh, engineers. But on the other hand, sixty percent is just too much. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, <laughs> yeah. you're you're not attractive to VCs or whatsoever. So that's um, yeah, we got lucky. Right. That's great. That's great. So uh, so where'd you grow up? Uh, in the Netherlands, actually. So I'm uh, 100% Dutch. Okay. <laughs> uh, grew up in the middle of the Netherlands, and then I always wanted to be an inventor as a little kid. Like I, I, yeah. I, had, uh, I was building robots since I was a kid, and C3PO and R2D2 are still uh, next to my bedroom uh, wall. Um, yeah. And, and then the University of uh, Technology Delft was like the university to go to if you wanted to become an inventor or an engineer. And uh, I got accepted, I finished my studies, and then this happened. So living the dream. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, what did your parents do when you were growing up and stuff? Uh, what my parents did when I grew up? Or? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, no, actually, they, they, they weren't into engineering at all. Like my my, uh, my dad, he's working uh, at a bank. <laughs> so that, and I hate banks and, and money and stuff. It doesn't interest me at all. Uh, and my mom, she is helping uh, children, uh, like in daycare. So. Okay, nice, nice. So, uh, you know, so is it the inventive side or the entrepreneur side that you think you, that you might, you know, or are you straddling both of those equations? It's, 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 it's both, really, because I think a good inventor isn't just someone who invents things, but you can also really bring it to the market because, um, and that's, of course, also the entrepreneurial part, but I want to invent things that can really change the lives of, of people. And that is only possible if you bring it to the market. If you sure. keep it at your in your own workshop, no one will see it, and the invention won't help anyone at all. Right. So, therefore, I think I'm I'm both. But I, yeah, my heart is uh, an inventor, an entrepreneur mm-hmm. is just there to to get it to market and get it right. become a reality. Now, I've talked to quite a few people actually from the Netherlands from from their successful Kickstarter campaigns, and it's always kind of seemed that. And, and maybe you can correct me if I'm wrong, but that the environment there is really supportive of entrepreneurship, and 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 there's a lot of programs outside of like the university, but there's just that there is a culture that really is trying to you know change stuff for the good. It seems like that's a a general kind of consensus coming off of off of the Netherlands mm-hmm. and the people I've talked to. Is that is that how you've kind of felt too? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, I feel I feel blessed to to do business here. Um, there are so many programs that can help you. So many coaches. People are very open to being an, in, an entrepreneur. Like usually, I think ten years ago, in, in case of, uh, for example, my my dad, who is 
a bit jealous of me. Like he told me, like in in the old days, it was cool to work at a corporate and don't become an entrepreneur. But now it's really cool to be an entrepreneur. So everyone here is really into starting a startup. There are three accelerators that you can apply for. So it's 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 a hard work, but I think the environment is quite good. Indeed. That's great. Yeah, that's awesome. So, you know, running a Kickstarter campaign is typically very stressful. Um, yeah. I, you know, and there's a lot going on, a lot of, uh, you know, emails you got to respond to, a lot of moving parts. Uh, mm-hmm. What do you do to kind of stay organized, um, you know, during this sort of hectic period of, t- of time? Uh, yeah, so it's a cliche to say that it's all about preparation, preparation, preparation. So um, I was. I was talking to a lot of uh, fellow Kickstarter entrepreneurs to really get a hang of what are the do's and don'ts of uh, launching a Kickstarter campaign. Mm-hmm. Uh, also listening to podcasts. I mean, that is the, a very good way to do it. It's not interactive though. So do yeah. both. Try to speak to at least 10 uh, Kickstarter creators within your space. That's even better. And uh, of course, it's all about teamwork. I mean, it's impossible to do alone, depending on the crowdfunding goal you're going for. But currently, I have three people who are like full time into uh, marketing and uh, uh, and sales to mm-hmm. to manage all the emails that come in, to run Facebook ads, to uh, to do press outreach. Um, yeah, and I think my my secret here really would be using uh, a good framework. Like, uh, for example, Trello, you probably know this yep, tool yep. to manage mm-hmm. it. That's, that's perfect because you can easily manage everything that comes in, like an inbox, and then you can uh, say, okay, you do this, you do that, it needs to be done by then. Right. Um, to have a very clear overview of what's going on instead of having everything all over the place. So we have hooked up a lot of APIs to have Twitter mentions, uh, Facebook Messenger, MS messages, emails, uh, Google RSS feeds to all come in Trello uh, boards. Okay. We have one place where everything comes in. Yeah. Gotcha. So, so it sounds like Trello is sort of your uh, your central station. Yeah. 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 Correct. Interesting. Interesting. That's cool. So, it, so it sounds like if you took that tool away, everything else would would crumble. Is that that's the big one? <laughs> yeah, there are probably other tools that could replace it, but I don't really like Trello because it's easy to use and every new team member that comes in understands it within five minutes. Sure. That's, sure. Just, that's what's so great about it. Very cool. Very cool. So, you know, as well as kind of the, the campaign being stressful and having to be organized, is there anything that you kind of do to just get away, you know, just to shut the brain off for a minute? Because I, again, mm-hmm. inventors are sort of in that creative spirit as well. You got to have some time to just sort of, you know, be in your own brain. What do you do to get away? So um, there are multiple things that I do. First of all, the robot really helps me. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're always getting good night's sleep, so you're, you know, that's, a, that's yeah. a start, you know. Exactly. That that really helps. Um, and the other thing is that I always start the day off by meditating. Uh, like using an app like Headspace or something could be anything, but really just to to get yourself out of the the away from your smartphone, away from your laptop, and just focus on what's going on and focus on your breathing because that that really really works. And um, every day I write write down like six things that I need to do this t- today and prioritize them mm-hmm. so that everything that is in my head, buzzing around, all the things that you need to take care of, everything that comes in still um, can be managed your prioritization list. So yeah, that really works for me. And of course, take at least 20 minutes uh, a day to 
go outside, <laughs> right, <laughs> walk, yeah. walk around town without your phone. Right, right. Yeah, get off a screen. Was there was there ever a moment in the prototyping phase or anything like that where you hit a roadblock that you guys just couldn't overcome at all? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. We we were like having lots of issues to get the mechanism inside that simulates the physical sensation of breathing mm-hmm. to get it silent because mm-hmm. in the bedroom you can hear everything, right? And everything is annoying. So we have like. For six or no, maybe even eight months, we have been developing so many actuators, which is like mechanisms, right. mechanisms that, um, that would function at a noise level that you wouldn't be able to hear. Sure, sure. We eventually managed to do so, but we, oh man, we have put so much time and effort into it. We even hired professors and specialists to look at it because, wow. Yeah, we nailed it. So that's great. <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. That's great. Well, let, let's flip over to the actual Kickstarter campaign, which is why we're talking and kind of dive into a little bit of, of what's going on there behind the scenes. So um, right now, and mm-hmm. I'm looking at it in US dollars. So some of my numbers might seem mm-hmm. off from what you're looking at it. Um, so I mean, you've got 15 days to go. According to my numbers, you're up over $180,000, which is awesome. Uh, this campaign is doing really well, so you've squashed your goal. So you know, you mentioned preparation and sort of you know putting a team together. But what was sort of the overall strategy before you launched the Kickstarter? What was that kind of the mindset around your team and, and, and how to make sure that you had a, a, mm-hmm. a successful campaign? Yeah, so I think the, the, the best advice that I can give to other Kickstarter creators is pre-launch. Everything is like your success, your success is dependent on your pre-launch strategy. And we have been intensively testing our product with test papers. Mm-hmm. So we have around... 300 people uh, that already uh, tested the device. And apart from that, we also went to a lot of trade shows. We have been doing lots of, um, what is it, Facebook advertising, just to get a huge email list of people that are actively involved and are engaging in what you're doing. So before we launched, we already had like 6,000 people in our email list that were actively talking about our product mm-hmm. and wanted to contribute and that converted really, really well because on the first day we had like half of the, um, the goal that we have now. So that was, yeah, again, preparation, preparation and engaging and nurturing your community because crowdfunding is not about selling something. It's about creating something together. Sure. Um, don't expect the Kickstarter community to come to you if you don't have a community beforehand. Right, so. right. You know, you mentioned sort of nurturing that crowd uh, that, that you're building, right? So, let, you know, you get an email four months ago, you know, what was sort of the idea on how to keep those people engaged and excited you know, whether through email or whatever, mm-hmm. whatever you're doing, just how did you keep sort of the fish on the hook for a few months, you know, before you launched? Yeah. So email marketing is nice, but you, I mean, every one of us gets a lot of emails, so sure. people don't really read it. So our open rate was exceptionally high. I think it was around 45%, which is nice, That's- but it still means that 60% is not reading it. So yep. The email list is one thing, but you can also use these email addresses to pour into a custom audience on Facebook ads. So you 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 just um, have people see your ads come at them in a period of six months, and because they see your name, see your product in this period, they they know you. Mm-hmm. And I mean, they don't necessarily have to click, but you, but they see you. So we have highly targeted ads. Uh, next to that, we make use of Facebook 
chatbot, which is really good as well because the open rates of chatbots are insane. Yep. I mean, if you're still focusing on uh, gaining email addresses, you're old-fashioned, I would say. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. Gain Facebook Messenger subscribers, like uh, a tool, ManyChat, that's what we use. Yeah, it's, we, it's yeah, we just switched to, all, we switched to that about six months ago now. And it's been, okay, great. yeah, it's been huge for us. It's, it's like my number one thing yeah. where I'm like, yeah, we can get emails, but I'm going to keep people here. So, <laughs> yeah. 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 Use the emails to get them into the chat box. Yep. That's what yep. you should do. Yep. Like, that's the best because the open rates are like yeah, 95%. 90, yeah, yeah, I know, I know. Yeah. If I get one that's like at 93%, I'm like, oh man, what did I do? Yeah. <laughs> you know, or my my click through rates are like thirty six percent or something on something. I'm yeah, like, jeez, yeah, yeah. you know. So yeah, I, yeah. yeah tried, so that is yeah. really good. That's been one of our big things and, too is trying to explain that to people where people are like, I just don't understand what a bot is. I'm like, just trust me, you know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But you need to like the trick is you can have a chat, but then the challenge is to make it very personal and mm-hmm. to have people have the feeling as if they are having a personal conversation. Yep. Yep. Because this works really, really well. Yeah. But it's hard. It, it takes a lot of testing. Yep. And, uh, yeah. Um, and the other thing is physical meetings, <laughs> yep. as in we invite a lot of people to our office or we go a certain place and have like. 50 people testing the product, thinking with us like focus groups. Mm-hmm. And then they have the feeling like, oh man, I found out about these guys. I was the first one to help them. And then they have a very strong connection with yeah. the brand. So organize meetups, visit meetups, do pitch contests, create awareness. Uh, don't put all your effort in digital marketing. Yep. It's it's great. But believe me, the pre-launch, I think the most power is in uh, uh, offline events. Mm-hmm. So, you, you know, you... Or the combination. I, I, it's definitely a combination. There's no doubt about it right now. Do you think, and, and I get this, this is a question I get from a lot of, of, of startups. Do you think you could have you could have been this successful if you didn't have a prototype that was as far along as you, as you had, if you had it a little bit more in conception as, as opposed to somebody actually mm-hmm. holding it? Do you think you'd be at the same mm-hmm. position? No. Yeah. No, 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 no. Because especially, uh, it, it depends. I mean, we have a product that claims to help you improve your sleep. There is a lot of skepticism sure. because people are like, okay, prove it to me. Where's the clinical uh, trial data? You know, that kind of stuff. If you just have a sketch or a rendering or maybe just like a 3D printed model, but no test results, no testimonials, people are not able to feel it. It's it's way harder. I mean, if you are making a wallet or something, you know, mm-hmm. Kickstarter, like a fancy old early adopter wallet, yep. I mean, a wallet is a wallet. It works, right. and it's not that special. You you will probably make it in China, and it's fine. Everyone knows. Yep. But yep. in our case, it's a quite like you haven't seen anything like this before. It has a certain health claim. Um, so, in order to break through the skepticism, you really need to have your evidence and prototypes ready. Uh, it, it, so, yeah, yeah. Speaking about like health claims, what can and can't you say? Are there rules and regulations on what you are allowed to say to people mm-hmm. in Facebook ads and that sort of stuff? Yeah, for sure. So at the moment, we are not making health claims. It's rather wellness claims. Mm-hmm. So we, we, we claim to help people fall asleep faster, longer, and wake up refreshed, which is not claiming that you are curing an illness. Sure, sure. Um, so it's rather something to improve something than to fight something. Uh, we are running clinical trials at the moment, so we will be able to do health claims uh, very, very soon. 
but we wanted to validate whether our product also would fit as a wellness product, which it apparently does. Um, but we have been doing intensive testing. So we have a lot of testimonials of people saying that it works for them and that also was the, the, the threshold or the dependency to launch Kickstarter campaign. Very cool. Very, very cool. What what kind of went into that? Like in terms of like, did, did was there any um, lessons learned that you can't say certain things or did you guys just kind of have an understanding of that before you, you jumped into advertising? So the question is, what are the main learnings? Well, well, well just in terms of like what you can and can't say. I think that that's a, you know, a lot of people probably wouldn't realize some of that sort of stuff if they had a product. So like, oh, did you, yeah. you know, did you, you know, advise a lawyer or you just, your team just knew not to say certain ah, things? Yeah. yeah. So I think it's a bit of a shady area. And again, it depends on what you're doing. But if people are interested in the product, you should always talk in benefits. So at least start with it. So what? why should I be interested in this product? And if you have identified these benefits, then try to validate with your user if these are indeed the pains that he or her is experiencing. And after that, check with a lawyer or look it up for yourself at similar projects, like what are they claiming? They probably did some research as <laughs> well. It uh, saves you some costs. <laughs> yep. I mean, lawyers are expensive. So... We did a lot of research ourselves. We looked up our competitors, see what they claimed, and, and did a last check just to have a lawyer checking it for one hour, which is still expensive, but then you only have one hour right. of his time. Right, right. And yeah, and I probably it's not 100% watertight, but it's, yeah. it's, you have done everything you have got to, could have done as a creator. So. Right, very cool. So you've got 15 days to go. What are you doing to sort of keep that momentum going, you know, outside of being on this amazing podcast, what are the other sort of things that you might be doing to just kind of keep that buzz going, keep that excitement mm-hmm. going mm-hmm. Um, just so that it doesn't, you don't know, have those sort of a, a day without any backers, right? You never want that day. So what are you doing to keep that momentum yeah. going? Yeah. So that's, that's actually something that is, I think really hard. There are a lot of agencies that, that are, that approach us to help us. And we find that we are like looking into, okay, who is a, who could, uh, help us uh, best way and it's mainly in there are like four options to get the, the momentum it's press coverage it's uh, advertising and uh, cross promo and affiliate marketing so influence yep. um, currently uh, one of my colleagues has uh, went to New York he's there now to just get the prototype to diverge to Casey Neistat oh. and Inc uh, so they are sleeping with it <laughs> now so <laughs> that really works just the just knock on their door and hope that they open. And they did. So there will be some uh, very cool coverage next week. Um, and the other thing is that we are testing a lot with Facebook advertising. So making use of the coverage that we already have, uh, using quotes, like people are losing it over the sleep robot. So people have, like, oh, whoa, this is, this is something I should check out. Use those clicks that are quite cheap to retarget into a custom audience and then get them into a funnel to really get them excited and include them in your community to engage with your uh, things that you're doing. But, um, something else that is, I'm hoping is very powerful is that tonight, like in four hours, we have a Kickstarter live stream. That was going to be my, to gonna be my next question. Backers. Yeah, you read my mind. I was going to ask you what your strategy <laughs> was around that tonight. So. <laughs> yeah, well, we have a Kickstarter live stream and, I mean, the backers that have currently pledged you is maybe the most powerful tool you have to boost your campaign. So we ask the backers to pitch the media. So 
not us pitching the media, but our backers mm-hmm. pitching the media. Because sometimes journalists rather hear it from someone that is enthusiastic about something than the founder or inventor sure, him sure. or herself. Um, and another thing that we use is Kickbooster. Um, it's like a little platform that is like uh, a referral program. So if you refer a friend with your personal link, you get 10% commission of every dollar you bring in. Uh, so there's like a cash incentive and that really um, helps because then you have free ambassadors spreading your campaign all over the place with relevant people. And because they earn something nice as well, there's a win, 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 win mm-hmm. yep. <laughs> for everyone. So, yeah. Very cool. Very cool. So, you know, so after the 15 days of campaign ends and, you know, you got that sort of two weeks before all the money starts to drop in. But what are the what are mm-hmm. the first steps after the campaign successful for you guys to start getting this product into people's hands? Yeah. So actually, uh, we are already um, we already have a supply chain lined up. We have partnered up with one of the biggest mattress manufacturers here in the Netherlands, Alping. Uh, which is really nice because they already have all the manufacturers uh, lined up. So we don't have to look for trustworthy manufacturers. We produce it mainly locally, so mainly in the Netherlands, which uh, is very nice for us because we can see the quality. We can negotiate uh, very well instead of losing a lot of time by going to China. Um, Yeah, so uh, I think... Half of my team is already doing this. So they are really into engineering now. I'm more into marketing at the moment. But um, the soon, as soon as the Kickstarter ends, I will be running an engineering and calculating the injection molds to get the product as soon as possible in the hands of all the lovely backers that have supported cool. So now, what's kind of the big plan here then for the company itself? Like, what, what does the next five years look like? Is this something that you're making all kinds of sleep products or, you know, or is this what you're working on? Versions one, two, three, four of the, uh, of the robot. What, mm-hmm. what do you guys see? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we have big plans we aim for the moon. We want to build up a portfolio of all sorts of soft robotics that contribute in the well-being or healthcare sector. So this not necessarily uh, sleep. It could be anything that helps you uh, uh, in a healthcare sector, but, but with a soft robotic approach, like, we like to say that we don't want to make products. We want to make companions. We want to make living beings that could take care of you and help you live a healthier and better life. So in five years, like we have a metric, like the one metric that matters, and that is that we want to have 100,000 uh, people achieve a good night's rest by 2025. Nice. And hopefully we will achieve that. It's a good metric. I like that one. It's good. Very good. <laughs> we can actually yeah, measure Of course it, you, you know? can. Yeah, that's great. That's awesome. So we, we can literally see in real time how many hours of sleep we have given to people by the sensors of the robot. And, and how about for you, like personally? I mean, is this something that, you know, you see yourself sort of creating a company and then letting other people run it? Or, you know, we're like, or, or do you see yourself starting other companies down the road? Where, where do you kind of envision your life going? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think like this really is something that that i've always dreamt dreamt of so to, to, to have an invention within the robotics area and to help people really not not a gadget or, or a gimmick but something that really uh helps you in in, in your daily life um so i really want to have this i, I i'm not looking right. for an exit like to to get the much value and sell it to i, I don't know upwards no i want to have the 
in 20 years, I'm probably still doing this thing. And of course, we will hire other people to do the boring <laughs> stuff. <laughs> and then we can do the, the engineering yeah. stuff. That's what I really like. And there are people that like growth hacking and marketing and sales. I'm an engineer at heart and I will always, always will be. And yeah, this company enables me to bring the world to better sleep. Yeah, that's awesome. Buddies, so. Well, where can people dive in a little bit more into your world uh, outside of the Kickstarter campaign? Um, well, you can always connect with us on social media. Of course, we have regular updates on Facebook and Twitter, but you can also connect with me if you uh, like the personal story. Uh, the best thing is to connect with me on LinkedIn because I regularly post updates about my experience running a Kickstarter campaign, uh, all the stages of the startup that we go through uh, when it comes to hiring people, when it comes to seeking for in the investors, et cetera, et cetera. So, yeah. Connect with us on social media for the company itself. And if you like personal experiences, connect with me on Medium or LinkedIn. Julian, I I appreciate you taking time out of your busy schedule right now. Uh, This was a great conversation and um, I wish you guys a lot of luck and, and uh, keep, keep, uh, keep pushing at it because you, this is going to be a big campaign. You can, you can see the momentum on it right now. So congrats on that and uh, continued good luck in the future, man. Thank you so much. Sleep well. (laughs) Thanks. All right, how about that conversation with Julian? I told we got into a lot of stuff there, didn't didn't we? Um, that was really intriguing, the whole university aspect. And I think that's something that some of the young entrepreneurs out there that might be dealing with um, is just kind of how to, how to um, you know, merge those waters or uh, get everybody credited and still keeping, uh, still keeping your, your intellectual rights. Uh, so the song we'll listen to is a song, uh, song called Scars Unseen. And uh, I think this one was on the old uh, Sugar People record. 2008 so uh it's a nice winter song nice slow and somber for for kind of the the vibe and the feel today so um all right guys enjoy it and i will talk to you all later in the week Still be fulfilled
can see 